You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Genesis chapter number two tonight, and uh, in our question and answer time this evening before the service, we had a couple questions, and uh, our Sunday night uh, service has been about touchy topics touchy topics, and um, there was a couple questions on this topic, and so I was able to say, hey, just stick around for church tonight, but um, certainly in our day and age, this is a touchy topic. It's something that uh, more and more, if you state a biblical view on this, then you are uh, labeled a bunch of different words, but I want us to address it tonight because it's something that we need to know how to combat uh, the arguments that are out there and what the Bible says. And, of course, there's no way to address it in the amount of time we have completely. In fact, I have more notes here than I will ever be able to get through tonight. And, uh, uh, I'll, uh, but I'll do my best to cover the things I think God would have me to do that. But tonight we're going to be looking at homosexuality and transgenderism. And uh, not the funnest of topics to talk about, but it's certainly something... That is uh, what we see today. It's a hot-button issue. It is a touchy topic for sure. And um, I think a lot of pastors, um, and I'm not trying to be critical of them. I won't name anybody, but I've seen a lot of people that preach and teach the Bible. I think they make a mistake by mocking this sin. Because, first of all, we are not supposed to be making, mock, uh, making a mock at sin. But um, this, is, this, is, uh, this affects people's lives. Everybody in this room know somebody that would fit into one of these categories or know someone that has struggled with it or has worked with people. If you have family members, you got co-workers, you got uh, uh, relatives, and, uh, and uh, maybe some of you have struggled at some point in your life. And so tonight, we want to see what God says and uh, what our responsibility is. And uh, I, I think we need to learn to focus our arguments uh, for the biblical worldview of marriage and sexuality. And not just against everything that's out there. I think we need to learn what God says and stand for that. And so tonight we're going to look at some uh, models that God has given us in Scripture very clearly. Can I make three, three quick statements before we dig in? Number one, God loves people. God loves people. Secondly, God hates sin. Uh, we know that as a fact. God hates sin. Um, we know that all people have sinned. Does that mean that God hates everybody because everybody sinned? No, that's not what it means. God loves people. God hates sin. But God loves people and hates sin. He can do both. He can love us but hate the sin that we are in, involved in. Because of that, we know that God gave his only begotten son. John chapter 3, verse 16, that if we believe on him, hey, we don't perish. We get everlasting life. We understand that. We know the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. So God wants everybody to be saved, no matter the type of sin they're involved in. And if you'll remember back in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul was talking about the people there, and he said, hey, you know, uh, he, he talked about sins like adultery and fornication, and he lists homosexuality in there, and uh, other sins as well, and he says, and such were some of you, but you're washed, 
And so God is able to redeem people no matter what sin uh, they are in there. He's able to save and forgive. And so we need to understand that. We're going to read Genesis chapter 2, but let's pray as we get in. Father, bless us now with this topic tonight and uh, help us to have a biblical mindset, a biblical worldview, and to cover the things that need to be covered, that need to be the the most helpful tonight. We rely rely upon you for your guidance this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to talk about God's biblical model for marriage and God's biblical, biblical model for human sexuality. And this is so simple, but it's so important. It's so important that we see this. And, you know, you can look at the Bible two different ways. You can look for all the thou shalt nots and wait for God to list the million things you cannot do. Or we can look at what God says is the right thing to do. And oftentimes in scripture, that's what you'll find. You won't, say, you won't find uh, that God says, you know, you can't do this, can't do this. In fact, in the Old Testament, he did some of that. And it's like, oh, man, that's hard to say. You can't, you can't uh, you know, have a clothing of diverse colors or a diverse, uh, you know, uh, polyester and cotton or whatever, you know. But what he does oftentimes, it says, this is the model. Do this. Everything else is wrong. And so that's what we want to look at here uh, in Genesis chapter 2. This is the model. Look at Genesis chapter number 2, verse number 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman. And brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. By the way, Adam and Eve didn't have a father and mother. But they understood this going forward in perpetuity. And they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. I want you to see, first of all, I want to give you a couple thoughts here. God gives us in the very first marriage, is that, can you even read that? I hope you can. God gives us in the very first marriage the biblical model for marriage and human sexuality. That's the biblical model. Did you see this here? This addresses so much of what we see in our culture today. Right here, if you'll just dig into this and see the first marriage, the first design that God had for marriage here. And uh, this was the way God created it. It was created perfectly, and he wants this to repeat. What do we see here? How many people do we see? We see two people. We don't see a man and 16 wives. We don't see a wife and 15 husbands. We see two people. Uh, How many genders do we see? We see two genders. Which genders? Male and female. Both represented. Not male and male, not female and female. It is both genders, but only one of each. There are no exceptions. There are no uh, anything else allowed in here. How long were they married for? For life. So, so we see, well, you know, this is just the Old Testament. We see that God gave us from the beginning of the Bible the biblical model. The biblical model is one man, one woman, for life. That's what he is giving the model of here. I know spouses passed away. I know there's other circumstances. But that is the model to be replicated. Do we understand that? We got it tonight? All right, let's close in prayer. No, I'm just kidding. We're not. Point two, uh, the Bible restates God's model for human sexuality and marriage many times. 
So it's not just a one-time event that God said. It's not just an Old Testament thing. No, it's, it's mentioned many times. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 through 33. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 uh, through, through, uh, uh, through chapter 7 there. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 and 19. There are references after references of one man, one woman for life. That is the model. And again, I know it doesn't always work out that way. I know uh, things happen. But tonight we're understanding what God's plan is, okay? We're, that's what we need to focus in on. Number three, let me say this. Outside of marriage between a man and a woman, no other intimacy was allowed. It wasn't, hey, before we get married, you know, we're going to shack up. It wasn't that. It wasn't, hey, you know, uh, it, it's this person tonight, and it's this person tomorrow, and it's just, no, there was none of that. It was intimacy was relegated to this relationship between a man and his wife. So that's what we're seeing here. This was very clear in Scripture. Everything else was wrong. In in Genesis 19, with the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah, where Lot was in town and the the angels came with him and and, uh, uh, the men of the city came around and and circled and said, hey, bring those men out so they can be immoral with them. You know, that's where we get the term sodomite from and sodomy. Uh, uh, That was wrong. They knew that. This was something already decreed by the Lord. Intimacy and marriage go together. Uh, we understand that. And so this eliminates all other sins. So keeping in mind, this is the biblical model. This is what God wants. That helps us to identify what's wrong. Now, I want to just tonight, I'm going to try to do this as quickly as I can, go through some common questions. I used to ask our teenagers in our Bible class when I was teaching there, <clears throat> you know, you could do the question box, kind of like I have out here, but we had one uh, in the youth department. And, uh, and then also throughout being a pastor, I've had a lot of questions asked to me on these topics. So just very quickly tonight, we're dealing with homosexuality and transgenderism. What are some of the common questions I get? Number one, I get this question. Can a person get saved if they're gay or transgender? People ask me that question. I've heard that. I've heard people also say, can a Christian be gay? And we must remember that people are not saved from the outside in. People are saved from the inside out. What does that mean? That means that people are not uh, 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 changed from the outside in. People are changed from the inside out. You don't get clean and then get saved. You get saved and Christ cleans you. So absolutely. And I ask this question in our question and answer time. If someone says, can a Christian be gay? I would say this, can a Christian be a sinner? Well, yeah, because if not, none of us are Christians tonight, because you're all a bunch of sinners. Is it just me? Am I the only sinner here tonight? Okay, some of you are like, yes, you're the only one, Pastor. Okay, all right, well, at least I'm admitting it, you hypocrite. Uh, but no, I'm just kidding, I'm not going to call you names anymore. Uh, but yet we're all sinners, so we understand that, that yes, someone can be both. Someone can be drinking and be saved. Someone can be doing drugs and be saved. It's not ideal, it's not what God wants. People can be backslidden. The prodigal son was still part of the family when he came back. So uh, uh, Paul was murdering Christians, and then God worked on his life. You know, God can change people. So we believe the church is a place where anybody can get saved. Anybody. So let's not be pharisaical about that. So that's the first question. The second question I get is, did God create gay people? Did God create homosexuality? Is there, uh, you know, is there a gene that makes people this way or another? Is there, is there something like that? Well, I would say, uh, first of all, in 1992, there was an article in Newsweek uh, that had a baby's face on it. 
and superimposed across the baby's face was, is this child gay? On the Newsweek article. And uh, the article inside was titled, Born or Bred, the, the, the uh, Origins of Homosexuality. And they were trying to determine if there is a gene, because they were saying back then there was a gene that you're born with that determines whether you're gay or not. And, of course, the media picked up on that and had a field day. But 30 years later, we have heard nothing about it. Why? Because a single gene cannot determine something that complex. We understand that. So, no, God did not create that. Um, People are not born gay. They're born sinners, just like all of us are. And we're all born sinners. We're all born with the capability of any sin because we're born that way. I say, number three, the question I get often is why? Why are people homosexual? Why are there, is there transgenderism? Why is this a thing? And, uh, you know, I've done extensive research. I shouldn't say extensive. I've done research into this. I've, I've counseled with people that struggle. I've, I've dealt with this a lot. Of course, in our society, we have to. And, and many people would believe that God made them with those desires inside of them. So if God gave me these desires, then he must want me to fulfill those desires is a common thing that people say. And I would push back against that. And I would say, I don't think that's true because all kinds of desires occur in us, but it doesn't mean it's the right desire. You know, we all have desires for things. Uh, there's, of course, desire for food, for recreation, for sleep, for a lot of different things. But that doesn't mean the desire is correct. Um, you know, every one of our desires, if we're not checking them and careful, can lead to problems. And not every desire that we have is from God. Now, natural inclinations could explain behavior, but it doesn't excuse it. And I want to just say, I believe personally that being gay or transgender is a choice. Now, a lot of people that you may talk to that struggle with this may tell you that they don't feel like they had a choice. And I understand that. Some people have dealt with these things for a long time, and they're ingrained, and, uh, and it's something that, they, that they, they face frequently in a long time, and, and they don't really know what to do with those feelings. So if, you, if you're asking what, what determines this, I think there's a lot of things that go into what make up our sexuality and, and how we express that. I think our environment goes into that, uh, how we grew up, uh, single-parent homes, domineering mothers or fathers, uh, no male influence in the home can be a, a factor, liberal homes where like we have the celebrities that, are, uh, that I read about, uh, this one famous actress that was saying that her seven-year-old daughter was transgender and she was encouraging her to be so. I think that's wicked, I think that's wrong. But we, we see that in our society, that their environment that people are growing up in. In our culture right now, it is pushed upon our young people. In our schools, it is pushed upon our young people to accept and to like, try it out and see how you feel about it. I had two young men that came, uh, that came to me out of the public school and said, Pastor, right now it is cool in our school to be a homosexual. It is cool. It is popular in our school. Like they, they're, they're adver- they, they want you to be our friends that, that are there, and it's, and, it's, and it's hard to deal with that because it's a cultural thing. Environment factors in. Decisions factor in. You know, when you see young people exposed to pornography at a young age, do we not think that there's going to be some lasting repercussions there? When people are allowed to think about things and develop wrong habits or patterns or behavior, do we not think that's going to lead somewhere? Absolutely. And uh, the devil is after our minds. And then, not only our personal decision, but decisions from other people affect it. Uh, you know, if someone decided to molest someone else, someone else's decision can affect that person for the rest of their life. 
So environment plays a factor. Decisions plays a factor. Then there are predispositions. Not predeterminations, but predispositions. Some people are just going to struggle with some things more than others will. Some people will struggle with alcohol more than other people will. Some people will struggle with pornography more than other people will. Some people will struggle with homosexuality more than other people will. There are certain things that people are predisposed to do, not predetermined, but they are tempted more in that area. So I'm giving you like so much material here tonight. I hope it's making sense. I'm trying to get somewhere with it this night, uh, tonight about what we can do. But next I want to say this. The next question I'd say is people ask this question. Why didn't Jesus address homosexuality? Why didn't Jesus talk about it? And I would say he did talk about it. Say, so how did he talk about it? Because he said the same thing God said in the beginning. That marriage is between one man and one woman. And that, that, was, that was the model. And, you know, it, just because Jesus didn't come out and explicitly say, don't do this, doesn't mean he's for it. Because Jesus did not speak about many things. He did not speak about slavery. He didn't speak about child trafficking. He didn't speak about bestiality. He didn't speak about the oppressive occupation of his homeland by Roman authorities. There's many things that Jesus didn't specifically say, but he did say that marriage is a man and a woman. He did say that. So absolutely, he did address some things in the Bible. And the New Testament does talk about it. Some people say, well, why doesn't the Bible talk about the New Testament? It does. If you want to look them up, here are some references for you. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 very clearly talks about homosexuality. Uh, uh, first, first Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 very clearly talks about homosexuality. 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verses 8 through 11. Jude 7. There are verses there where it is addressed in the New Testament. So all of those things go into what I want to talk about next. Take your Bible, go to Matthew 11, please. Matthew 11. Matthew chapter 11. Just checking. Are you guys with me tonight? Okay. All right. Are we all super uncomfortable? Okay. I'm just kidding. Matthew 11. Matthew chapter 11. Look at verse 18. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he hath a devil. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. You know what? They leveled an accusation against Jesus that he was a friend of sinners. And that was an incredible insult. You're a friend of publicans and sinners. Publicans, you know, like this wicked sort of tax collector people, and and sinners are the unchurched people, and, and Jesus is a friend of those people. How dare he? But think about the fact that Jesus always went to the outcasts and the pariahs, didn't he? Jesus went to publicans. He went to sinners. He went to the maniac of Gadara. He went to the Samaritan woman at the well with five husbands. He, uh, not at one time, but had had five husbands. He went to the woman caught in adultery. He went to the lepers. Talk about outcasts. He went to the blind, the lame, the dumb, those possessed by devils, and those with bad reputations. What do we learn from that? I think we learn a couple things. I think we learn that we do not have to agree with someone's sin in order to extend the grace of God. Let me say that again. We do not have to agree with someone's sin to extend the grace of God to that person. 
We heard Brother Cadmiel over here playing amazing grace and, and marvelous, infinite, matchless grace freely bestowed on all who believe. We're talking about the grace of God. We don't have to agree with someone's sin in order to extend the grace of God to them. Some Christians act like they're more spiritual than Jesus. They won't even go to people and tell them about Christ because of the state that that person is living in. I think that's ridiculous. You think about the people that Jesus went to. Jesus responded to everyone in love and kindness in the grace of God. I would say this well as well. Sin is not just sin because you find it gross. Sin is not just sin because you find it gross. Sin is sin because God said it is. That's why it's sinful. There are certain sins that you may find gross and repugnant, but it doesn't make it sinful just because you don't like it. And I have heard preachers that will preach on all sorts of things and rip on homosexuality and rip on transgenderism, but they never make a sound about living together. They never make a sound about divorce. They never make a sound about alcohol. They never make a sound, but they got that thing. They'll talk about Trump and Biden and Hillary and all these things. Because they're bold about some things that's gross to them. Well, I think that we ought to look at the word of God and see what God says about some things. So tonight, I I go through this to really get to my main thoughts. And I actually got through all the stuff I wanted to very quickly. And I can focus on this, this last practical thoughts here today. Because what do we do about this? Is my question. Like, you know, I don't like when people just give you a bunch of problems and then it's like, see you later. Hey, America's going down the tubes. See you on Wednesday. You know, I don't, I don't like that kind of stuff. Like, I want to know what can we do. And so I was just going to give you some advice tonight on maybe you have people in your life that are struggling with this. And you have people that you deal with at work or at college or at school or, or at home or wherever else. What are some practical things that I would advise when dealing with this hot button issue that we see today? Number one, I want to say this. What is our responsibility Show God's love and kindness. Show God's love and kindness. There is no reward system in heaven for how cruel you are to people that don't believe like you. There's no reward system for that. That is not Christ-like. Jesus cares more about a soul no matter what sin they're involved in. He wants that soul saved. He died for that person, that soul. And I want to encourage you, look, when you are with people, some people, you need to just take it. We have have churches now in our community here. And there is really a church that's in Arizona, and that they, they planted a church close by, which some people that used to go here now go to that church. And that church says that we ought to kill homosexuals. That church says, that, that church started by a pastor in Arizona. I don't want to talk about his name because I don't, I don't like it. But they will say, when, that, when a shooting happened at a, a, a nightclub in Miami a couple years ago, that pastor got online and said, man, I wish they would have killed them all. That's what he said. Folks, where's the love of God in any of that? To say we ought to just kill them all, just a bunch of, and just name names against them. You know why they do that is because I think they've never worked with people that struggle with this type of stuff. It's unbelievable. That is not God's heart. Is God okay with the sin? No. But does Jesus love people still? Yes. 
What good does it do us to act unchristian-like to people that are struggling in sin? How are we ever going to win people like that? They are people. Someone that's struggling with transgenderism. By the way, some have been to our church. You know what? They're, they're people. They have a soul and they have value. And we are to treat people kind and loving no matter what decision they are making in this area. We need to get rid of the degrading humor. We need to get rid of comments, name-calling. Those are not Christ-like. Making a mock out of it. I've seen preachers and pastors that do like a little fake walk and, and speak in an effeminate way to mock. I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong. Because these are people that Christ died for and he loves. And if you're working with people, you see that. I'm not okaying or sanctioning things. I'm saying we ought to act like a Christian because we're Christians. Number two, let me say this. Realize that many of these people are hurting. By the way, what's the scripture for showing God's loving kindness? That he was with these people. He went to the woman at the well. He went to the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. He was treating them with kindness. Realize that many of these people are hurting. If you've ever spoken with people that have gone through, that are dealing with these sins and these temptations, there's a lot of hurt. That's what sin does. Sin hurts people. I saw an article from from 2015 that said 41% of transgender people have attempted suicide. 41%. That's that's higher than any other demographic that you want to say. That's 41%. I like to watch videos on YouTube sometimes of people that have come out of a lifestyle of this type of sin and have come back and have gotten married or have kids or they're, and now they're talking about the Lord and how God changed their life. I'm reading a book from somebody like that right now where they were in a, in a homosexual lifestyle, all types of sin, and God saved them and rescued them. He's now, actually he's down in Costa Mesa somewhere. He has a counseling center for Christians. That God can do that. But a lot of these people are hurting, but there is hope. There is hope. And I want to say number three, this. My advice for you in dealing with people that are struggling with these type of sins is this. Deal with the big issue first. Deal with the big issue first. What's the big issue? Is the big issue who they're attracted to? Is the big issue, uh, you know, and uh, what gender they think they need to be? And if they believe there's 89 genders or 200, what's the big issue? The big issue is always, are they saved or not? That is the biggest issue. Why try to change someone who doesn't have Christ inside to change them? They need to get saved. When Christ moves in, broken things are made whole. When Christ moves in, dirty things are made clean. When Christ moves in, hopeless situations are given hope. But Christ has got to move in. That's the first step. And that's what I say, people always say, well, pastor, I'm going to go to, uh, I'll be at Thanksgiving with my relative, and they're, you know, they, they have strong beliefs about this. And uh, pastor, I'm going to go talk to my, my family, they, they, they're struggling with this sin. And I always give the same advice. Don't rabbit trail. Get to the big issue first. The big issue is, are they saved or lost? Have they accepted Christ or not? That's the big issue. Number four, I want to say this. Believe the Bible, not the culture. Believe the Bible, not the culture. The answer is not acceptance. The answer is not, hey, you're okay like you are. I'm not okay as I am. 
Why? Because I want God still changing me, conforming me to the image of God's Son. It's not the acceptance of sin, it's the acceptance of Christ that matters. And, and you don't have to accept what people say. Um, I, I read a story about a, a mother in Canada that had a baby and refused to put the gender on the birth certificate. Because she said, when, when they get old enough, they can choose. And uh, I just think there's such confusion there. There's such confusion there. And uh, the, the, the pronouns, and I've seen people get tattooed pronouns on their, on, their, on their body. And what are we seeing? We're seeing hurt people. We're seeing a culture that is accepting this, and it's not good, and we need to believe the Bible on this. We, we understand that the Bible says there are two genders. Amen. The Bible says that. We understand that marriage is between a man and a woman. That's, that, that's what we know from the Word of God. And it's not mean to say that. It's standing on what the Word of God says. And it, I'll go to the next one. We'll be done. I have a lot to say about that, but I'm going to move on here. Don't, but don't be afraid to take a stand on issues. We don't have to play make-believe with other people. You know, people can say, you know, I, I identify, and I'm not making a joke. I'm really not. But people could honestly say, I identify as, and they could say an animal. I don't have to play make-believe with that. I'm not going to be mean. I'm not going to be unkind. But I also can stand on what I believe in a, in a kind way. But I will say this, and this goes with the last thought. Pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom and courage. We are, we are in a day. Now, now, look, if you think today is just, you know, the most wicked day that's ever been, Boy, try to go live in the days of Alexander the Great. I read his biography, not, well, his, not, not his autobiography, of course, but the, uh, his biography. Uh, he lived 300 years before Christ. I read it several years ago. And the wickedness. Read about Nero. Read about Caligula. In fact, don't. It's just disturbing. But this type of, of behavior has been seen. The hedonism, the, the selfishness, the, the uh, promiscuity, the, the, the just open, blatant sins that we see is nothing new. But it always has signaled the destruction of a nation every time. And I want to just say tonight, look, we are dealing in this, in this day and age that we're in, we're dealing with a lot of sin and it's changing rapidly. AI nowadays. Man, the evils that can be unlocked by AI. And we don't see it. I want to challenge you more than ever in this day and age to be a Christian. To be like Jesus. To love people. To give the gospel to people. But to also stand for what you believe. So tonight's message is not, <clears throat> I hope you haven't thought at all that it was a mean message or anything like that, because it's not, because I have, we've had many people come to our church that have struggled one way or another with this, and I want them to come to church because I want them to get saved, and I want them to, uh, to, to let God heal them. But let's act like Christians. Some of the proudest things I have seen about our church are, have been when people have come in off the streets and they have obviously not lived a lifestyle that we would say is biblical. But to see our people give them food, and to see our people give them a gospel track, and to see our people treat them with kindness, I think to myself, that's what Jesus would have done. That's what he would have done. He wouldn't have said, ooh, gross, get out of here. No, mm-mm, no. He looked beyond their faults and saw their need. And that's what we need to do.
So my challenge tonight is wherever you are with this and uh, whoever you know with it, let's be in prayer and let's ask God to just help us to have wisdom to be the kind of person, the type of people that God wants us to be.